these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and lived to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. A lot of like second or third unit bigs, they kind of run around, roll, rebound, and stuff like that. But when you have a guy that's talented offensively, he's got to be the centerpiece of what you're doing. Um, and we love him because he's a great system fit. He creates a lot of offense for himself and others just, you know, with his decision-making. Um, but, yeah, it's been been an absolute pleasure to have around. And, um, you know, so it's fun to watch these guys play when they get these opportunities. It was electric last night at Target Center. Electric at Target Center for that preseason game, boys. How how did we end up with um with a non NBA opponent? Is, is that team just sort of like barnstorming around the NBA or what's the Yeah, this was their third, so it's a it's an Israeli professional team mm-hmm. and they had uh they had so Dwayne Bacon was on that team. Dwayne Bacon was a starter for the Orlando Magic for like 50 games 2 years ago. I think he averaged like 10-11 points a game. So they they had Dwayne Bacon and then two or three other guys that play, like one guy that played at Utah, not the Jazz, but like the university a few years sure. ago. Yep. And there, I think there was four NBA or guys who had been at least on an NBA roster before. And the Wolves did not play any of their top eight or nine players. Uh, Luca Garza went off last night. Luca Garza, by the way, had he's down to like six percent body fat. He's nimble. He's chiseled. He dominated that game. Uh, Leonard Miller, the, the the guy that was projected to maybe be a lottery pick, and he winds up going into the second round. The Wolves snag him with what the, was it the thirty third pick or whatever it was, and he goes for twenty two and fifteen. Josh Minot was everywhere. Uh, I went with a buddy, and we we wound up so we had tickets like at the top of the lower bowl, kind of in that middle section at half court, and but and there was literally like a hundred twenty people in the arena last night. So we wound up sitting like right above the Lexus club set. We just kind of every like five minutes, just kind of move down see if anyone yells at us. We're like on no. the court. Let's go, Luca. We got this. Yeah. They're not going to you. <laughs> That's awesome. So what, uh, so Garza, what, what's the, what does he look like compared to the end of last season? Then uh, it's, I would say it's so hard to tell because like if you're dominating, and, and there were some good reviews on him and some of the offseason stuff too. But if you're dominating, you know, like a second level international team, mm-hmm. it's hard and, until you put him in an actual NBA game. And I think part of the issue, he's a really interesting player and he has worked his ass off to go from, you know, is he is he going to go play in Europe for five or ten years and then be a coach at some point? Like the fact that he's still pounding on the door of the NBA is a credit to the work he's put in. He can shoot. Obviously, he's expanded his range. But when your team has Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Nas Reed just signed yeah. a huge contract, you're trying to find minutes for Kyle Anderson at the four, at the three. Like, um, I don't know unless somebody gets hurt. Also, Leonard Miller, man. Like, I think if it was between Luca Garza and Leonard Miller, we need another big to play 10 or 15 minutes. I think Leonard Miller would maybe even be above Luca. So I don't know what his future is, but it's fun to watch him dominate inferior teams and get in garbage time and just be like a tornado of activity, which he was last night. Some people were kind of complaining, and I get it. And by the way, uh, Flagrant Howls starting next week, twice a week with Kyle. And then we're going to be mixing in another episode or two with Judd and Dex. So we're going to be pumping several episodes a week of Flagrant Howls now that the Wolves are, are starting up here. But some people, and I think I, I 
agree with this. That was the only preseason game at home. And the Wolves announced like a day beforehand, hey, we're not going to play anybody. Anthony Edwards, Carl right. Anthony Towns, like none of these guys are going to play. Jaden McDaniels with his calf injury. So I do feel bad for if if it was like your one time coming in from outstate Minnesota or Iowa or something and you want to watch a Wolves preseason game and see Anthony Edwards, they did interview him for 30 seconds on the Jumbotron. So at least you got to see him. Well, but well, if you made the mistake of actually saying, you know what, we want to go to one Wolves game. We're coming in from the Dakotas. Let's make it a preseason tilt. I don't feel a lot of uh, of. Uh, empathy at that point but you know what uh from what i've seen it does look like around the league that um in ordinary regular preseason games starters are starting to play more so like this this whole um this whole thing now of actually holding teams accountable and players accountable is going to be a very interesting thing i don't think that the wolves have, have had a widespread problem with this but I think you're going to see a lot more star players consistently against the, the Wolves at home than you might have seen in the past, what, three, four years. Well, and, well and yeah, they they put in the rule, right? They put in the, the load mm-hmm. management rule, too, which fines. Is it a fine? Uh, it's So it's a, it, it's 65 games minimum if you want to qualify for, like, postseason accolades, which also trigger more Boxes, money. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, and you might be right about a fine. I don't know how you determine some of that, or like, what if a guy has kind of a sore back or something, right. but he he would totally play if it was a key game. Right. I don't know how they determine some of that, but um, but I think, yeah, I just I don't know. I know you don't have any empathy, but it is kind of like you can't run those guys out for five minutes in your only preseason game. But I digress here. I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on this whole new Carl Anthony Towns demeanor that's become a conversation over the past two or three weeks. So Chris Hine did a write-up like six or seven days ago, and I'm going to read you an excerpt from this, but just a couple personal observations, one from last night, because Kat, they, they interviewed Cat during one of the time outbreaks, but I was at Media Day two weeks ago now, I think, or 10 days or two weeks ago, for it was like three, four hours every the the Tim Connolly, uh, Coach Chris Finch, and then every player on the roster had like a 15-minute slot where they were up there. It's first day of school. We're at the podium. Here we go. All the media is assembled. It's largely a very positive and sort of rejuvenated feeling on media day. You're not still dwelling on like what happened in game one or whatever of the playoff series. And so, as I mentioned to you guys a couple weeks ago, everybody who went up there was like, ah, oh, this is great. Here we go. First day of school. This is a blast. Get to see all my basketball buddies again. The energy level was great. Everybody was smiling. Everybody was ready to rock. Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Anthony Edwards, Gobert. The only guy that brought weird energy the entire day was Carl Anthony Towns. He was very sullen. He was very just sort of, I don't know if somber is the word, but just the only time he perked up was when somebody asked him a question about playing for the Dominican Republic in the World Cup, and he enjoyed answering that question. But he was gl- going out of his way to keep answers as short as possible and to keep his demeanor as, like, flat and or even, like, annoyed as possible. All right, maybe he's having a weird day, right? Yeah. Uh, then yesterday, so they interview Anthony Edwards during one of the timeout breaks, and, hey, you know, great to see all the fans. This is great. Rudy Gobert with his tight little French shirt on talking about, yeah, my offseason, it's great. Yeah, this, that, the other. 
And then Cat gets, it's literally like the in-house guy, right? He's, he's, Cat, you know, hey, man, like, there's no fastballs being thrown here. It's like, how's your summer been? You know, and he's just like, I don't know, just kind of, his energy just kind of dragged, and he was kind of, like, annoyed at having to do this. It just seemed like. So here's Chris Hine from the Star Tribune. Buttoned up Carl Anthony Towns, adopting a different tone this preseason. At Timberwolves Media Day, Towns did not project the kind of bouncy and engaging personality with which he has dealt with media over the years, mostly. Instead, Towns was serious, sullen, and short with his answers with reporters instead of being loquacious and affable. Then, last Tuesday, Towns was no different than he was at Media Day, as he spoke for only about three minutes in another abrupt media session. What is the purpose behind this new demeanor? Quote, there's not much to say, Towns said. Get the job done. Do you like this, or what, what do you think about this? This is this is so intriguing. Um, it's so first of all, it's so cat, but it's so intriguing. So, what I've been told was that if, if you guys recall, he went on Pat Bev's podcast and somebody else's. And by the way, friends of his. So, like this was not he did not get rope doped in by shams. Like, hey, come on my podcast, and then get set up for a. Uh, but. You know, in the course of being on with Pat Bev, what was his quote about the Nuggets? We were. A... It, he essentially insinuated or said directly that <laughs> it was a bigger accomplishment or a more impressive accomplishment what the Wolves did. Yeah. Because they had to gel it together in less time than what the Nuggets did because they've been a nucleus for several years. Yep. Right. So that's ridiculous. And and it was pointed out time and time again. And then from what I've heard, Cat became very upset that he was that he got a ton of guff. And again, he went on his buddy's podcast. Like this was not a setup. This was not you you can't call what Pat Bev does a hit piece. Even if you think he screwed you, you're not gonna come out and say, Yeah, yeah, Patrick Beverly screwed me. So I I think what he's done now is because he took so much flack. He's trying to pull back, but it's typical Carl because Carl, and, and this is the thing, he is the big pout. Like, this is how he acts. He he will go into, I mean, he does this on the court. He pouts. He'll start to pout. And so I think, one, my question is, how long is this going to last? Like, is this something that he can do for an entire season, for the rest of his career? But here's the productive thing, in my opinion. With where this franchise is trending with Ant, I think this is just fine if he doesn't say much. Because this is, again, that's confirming it's more Ant's team. And let's be honest. Like, let's go through the greatest hits of Carl Anthony Towns' Wolves career from a media perspective of what he said, okay? Like, how often has Carl said something in the last three years where you've been like, oh, that's what I want to hear? That's fantastic. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if this is part of his big pout, but we've talked about this a ton. That post-game Hawks interview when he finally came back and they beat the Atlanta Hawks at home, and he's acting like they just won a game seven of the playoffs. You know, it's like a movie. Was one of the most tone-deaf for the moment. Like, it would have been great to say, I'm back. It's fantastic to be back. But he's celebrating it as if it as if it was this huge victory because he was there. So, long story short, I think this is actually a productive thing as long as the pout 
doesn't affect the play, which is what always concerns me with Carl. Yeah, I think like I actually think this is I think this is a great thing to just I, I'm going to take forget about all the weird energy stuff. I, I don't love some of that. You know, you don't you don't have to overcome. You, you said some weird stuff that you got clowned for. I think rightfully so. You know, just stuff that like, what are you what are you talking about? You know? I don't know that you have to overcompensate fully the other way and now just be completely shut off as if it's everyone else's fault that you said something, right? If that's what it feels like to me, it's like, well, everything I say is being misinterpreted, so I'm just going to say nothing. It's like, well, or you could, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's the right way to look at it. But but the last thing he said in this quote from the Star Tribune was, there's not much to say, get the job done. I love that because he's right. What is it? Is this his eighth, ninth year? I mean, he's been with the Timberwolves for close to a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have not advanced out of the first round of the playoffs. I'm not saying it's his fault. I know he's been bad in about half the playoff games. It is what it is. But here you are through all of this turmoil and all of the losing and then the resurgence here and then the injury last season, right? And you're standing at the, the doorstep of another season. And I agree with him. There isn't much left to say for him or the Timberwolves. Go get the job done. And this is a great scenario for him because for the first time in his career, he's not being looked at as the sole savior of this franchise. I think for a while it was him and Wiggins, but then it was pretty evident after like a year of watching Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, Towns is the better player. He's the unicorn here. So literally from like the second half of his rookie season all the way through, Jimmy Butler came and kind of took that torch for a minute, but the pressure has been on him to do what KG did 25 years ago, bring this franchise to relevancy. And now going into this year, Cat is kind of an added bonus. You're getting this guy that's a former All-NBA player that shoots the lights out from three-point range. He's a unicorn player that can dribble from the top of the key, get to the rim, and do all these things. But nobody is looking at him as the guy to save everything. People are looking at Anthony Edwards now. Hey, who's going to score points in the fourth quarter? Who's going to take over a playoff game? That's Anthony Edwards' job. Who's going to be the face of the franchise, the charismatic leader of this whole thing? People are looking at Anthony Edwards for that. Who's going to protect the rim and rebound and clean everything up and do all the dirty work inside? People are looking over at Rudy Gobert saying that's that guy's job. Now, Cat has to do some of these things too. But the fact is, this is the first time in his career that people aren't staring at him being like, come on, man, what's, save the franchise. Let's go. So I think he should he should walk a little lighter going into this season than maybe any other season in his career and this could wind up being a great fit he could just kind of come in slide under the radar a little bit and do the things that he's really good at I think my biggest issue with him is so he he comes in the league at 19 years old he turns 28 years old next month um yeah he's already been in the league for such a long time but I just have never been a fan of his body language how he carries himself how he talks about things that's always been my biggest gripe. I've never had a doubt this guy can't play basketball or this guy doesn't have the ability to be one of the best basketball players on the planet and I think most people probably align uh, with the latter part of that as well but there could be something here that when you turn 28 years old and he's still only 27 going on 28 years old that there is something that maybe clicked in his life outside the court that realized you know what maybe the way I have been acting I have been handling things hasn't been appropriate. Maybe it's not the best way to handle it. So how can I change my mindset? Now, does that mean I come off more than like an abrasive jerk? If that works for him and it it changes some of those things, I'm totally okay with that. I have no issue with a guy potentially going into his, you know, now late 20s, realizing, you know what, how I maybe 
handled situations, I probably could have done some things differently, not to completely put myself in his shoes, but maybe something clicked for him off the court that now just makes him a better person to handling adversity and handling situations like that. And if that has happened, then I think there is a completely unlocked level to Carl Anthony Towns that we have never seen before. I, my concern is this. I, I think that, like, if this had come after an off season of reflection, Dex, I love what you just said. The problem is, again, he's pouting. He's basically like, you guys all are saying I said these things, which, by the way, you did say. And so I just won't say much. My concern is he hasn't changed a bit. And and so my concern is when this does clearly become Ant's team, like to Phil's point, everyone's looking to this guy. Everyone's looking to this guy. Hey, Cat, you're free. That's going to cause more emotional consternation and more pouting. This is why, like, I would say, if, if I'm Finch, I would sit Cat down and say, hey, you know what? Saying less is great. And you're also, I, I would say to Cat what Phil just explained and but I don't know that he can take that. See that that's my question. Well, I don't know. I I don't know that this won't pivot when everyone is like, you know what, Carl? Don't say a word. We don't care. We're all going to talk to this guy. I think the pout will just change. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm. Listen, I've been harder on him than anyone the last five or six years, probably in Minnesota media to the to the point where Anthony Edwards' friends came up to Kyle at at. Uh, Vegas Summer League and said, hey, man, like we love the podcast and Anthony Edwards appreciates all the kind words. Can you guys please like take it easy on Carl? Who's that one Mickey guy? That guy Mickey. that's always ripping on <laughs> Mackie, but thank you. He's always ripping on Carl. But to your point about Finch, like what, you know, what is Finch saying to Carl? Well, he sort of pulled back the curtain on that a little bit in this same Star Tribune article that Chris Hine wrote a few days ago. One of the things that Chris Finch is telling Carl is, hey, Focus on doing the things that get you going in a game. Last year, there was a lot of pressure on Cat. Hey, Rudy Gobert is here. We need you to be. We need you to kind of move over here and play a little bit of a different role. Make sure that you're getting him going offensively because we can get Rudy some touches. You know, he shoots seventy percent field goals. Like if you can get him touches, it was all about like making Rudy comfortable. But make sure we're getting the ball to Anthony Edwards over here. And then D'Lo needed his to get going right. And now D'Lo's gone. And Rudy's been here for a year. Mike Conley is more of a pass-first, initiate point guard. So it sounds like Finch is telling Cat, dude, get yourself going. Shoot threes. Be ready to shoot. Dribble drive. Do your thing from the top of the key and just go be a monster. And don't worry about being the one that sets the table for everybody else. That's the opposite of what Nikola Jokic is being told going into games, right? I mean, Jokic is being told, and he knows just internally, I can go get 40 points if I want to, but our team works best if I'm facilitating, if I'm setting the table, but then I'm also cooking over here. I think they finally told Towns, that's just not, like, maybe someday, but that's not, you're not really able to do all of those things. So just go get yourself going, focus on you, and then let the other things sort of happen around you. That's how I interpreted what, what, what Finch was telling Carl Anthony Towns per the Star Tribune. And I hope in his mind that's possible. Uh, Carl strikes me, I think one is, and this is going to come as no surprise, Carl's biggest enemy is Carl. Like, it's not the opponents. It's Carl. And the second thing is, and perhaps as he nears 30, he can pivot. But if I were to sit down with him as a licensed sports therapist in this town, I would say, Carl, you need to turn off all of the noise around you. 
You need to focus on you. Don't worry about your teammates. Don't worry about, like, because some guys can. Some guys are captains. Some guys are captains. And some aren't. And that's also largely how you are constructed as a person. Some people have the ability to multitask, to worry about others, to star in their role. And some people need to focus on them. But it feels to me like in his 20s, and this is a lot of folks, not just a cat. It feels to me like in his 20s, what we have seen is a guy who really struggles to turn off the outside noise. There's always some type of drama. And and we all know, we all have friends like this. Like, like we all know people like this. So this is not like, oh, it's just Carl. But if you think about what this team has been through with or what he has gone through, and some of it is tragic and some of it is things he has uh, caused around him. But there always seems to be a lot of outside noise. And I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of these guys have hardships. And if you look at, you know, Carl's mom dying was awful. But, like, if you look at Ant and what he has been been through as a human, he's been through a lot, too. And so I guess my question is, can Carl turn off the noise and then and then fill this dovetails into what you're saying about Finch perfectly. Can he then concentrate on what Finch on what Finch said, which is get yourself going and only worry about that. And that's where I think if he can, you're going to get to a key part of his career. I just don't know if it's possible or not. You know what we need? You know what 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 really turned LeBron James LeBron James was an excellent player. I think he he won I'm pretty sure he won at least one or two MVPs before he won a championship. But what got him to that next level, and I am not comparing Carl directly to LeBron James, by the way. Remember when LeBron, going into the playoffs, like the second year with the Heat, decided, I'm going zero dark LeBron. No no social yeah. media, no nothing. Like, it's just me and basketball for the two yeah. months of the playoffs. And then I'll, I'll start tweeting again in August or whatever, July or August. And and he it was literally, like, called zero dark LeBron, right? We need, like, zero dark cat. And if and if he needs to be a little bit more sullen here, how, however he needs to get there mm-hmm. to live up to what he told the Star Tribune, there's not much to say. Get the job done. Carl says a lot of things throughout his career that don't actually wind up coming to fruition or aren't actually like the case. He, he kind of tries to be the leadership voice, but it it, it tends to ring hollow over the years. Mm-hmm. There's not much to say. Get the job done is about the most profound thing I've heard him say in nine years if he can live up to it. But no one's no one's saying that you have to be like sullen the whole season and that basketball can't be fun. There's there's got to be some middle ground there, but we'll see. This is the as the guy who's been the hardest on Carl for years and years. This is the most optimistic I've been about him and his situation with the team and his overall like the state of his game probably since he joined the Timberwolves back in, you know, whatever, 2015. He's never been in a better potential situation like if, mm-hmm. if he can embrace it the you're you're right like the whole thing of you are the team you are the pseudo captain all of that is gone so yes if he can embrace and if he can embrace what he's being surrounded by and worry about himself only and his game i sort of like that because it's not in in this case it's not selfish in this case it's actually probably what he needs to do to be his best which is don't worry about Everybody else will t- take care of themselves, right? Like Ant will take care of himself and and a bunch of the team probably. Uh, Gobert will take care of him himself. So Cat doesn't need to be the voice. Like and Cat clamming up 
is not going to affect anyone adversely. Like, it's not like, oh, my God, he was the guy, and now he won't talk. So, like, it does. It could work out perfectly. But, again, I want to make sure this isn't just pouting on his part to try to get attention because you hurt my feelings by perfectly articulating what what I said, but now I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. So, um, in addition to Cat just sort of, sort of being healthy and maybe maybe having just a better situation now than he's had. And Anthony Edwards continued evolution. You asked me via email yesterday, what is like the the biggest thing that you're on the lookout for, the difference between last season? And I have an answer for you, but let's shut out our friends. No relation, Finch Home Solutions. Maybe they're maybe Cody Finch is a distant relative of Chris Finch. I don't know. They're both awesome at their jobs. They they perform their jobs at a very high level. I, I still think so, Judd and Chris are the same person. I still I still think that they you are guys the are exact same guy. Finchie yeah. and I are like four days apart. I I think he he was born like four days before or after me. But look at that van right there. Look at that beautiful van. What sound does that van make, boys? <laughs> thank thank you very much. <laughs> And that means, and I'm sure their horn is not that um, is not that abrupt, but that means Finch Home Solutions is pulling up in front of your home or business to take care of any electrical issues that you might have. And yes, Finch is your one call, your one website to visit if you need any work done electronically in your home. That could include, I don't know, replacing an outlet, something very small. That could include rewiring your whole house. That could that could include as we near. Declan's favorite time of year, that would be hot tub season. Oh, God. That, oh, man. All oh, of the installation. You think about a hot tub, boys? The end result, it's all because of the electronics installed for that hot tub. Finch Home Solutions does it all. Give them a call. 612-357-2604. 612-357-2604. Or go to their uh, new redesigned and improved website, finchhomesolutions.com. Finchhomesolutions.com. There's a form right there that you can fill out. Finch will then show up at your house fast, courteous, professional. Cody Finch and his team are the best in town. Also, hey, over at scorenorth.com slash shop, we have a couple things for you. On the merchandise section, we have Flagrant Howls shirts, hoodies, T-shirts. So get your Flagrant Howls. And I believe Ross sent uh, this over. The promo code Flagrant is good for 15% off at scorenorth.com slash shop, the merchandise wing. The collectible section of scorenorth.com slash shop, courtesy of our friends at Universal Sports Auctions, has all kinds of great signed memorabilia Things for you to deck out your man cave, your basement, gifts for family members, uh, your kids, your dad, brothers, sisters, whatever it is. Uh, so you can right now on the screen, if you're if you're a hockey fan, we got a Matt Boldy jersey signed right there with the old school North Stars colors. All kinds of amazing things at scornart.com slash shop collectibles. And the code for that checkout is score SKOR for 10% off everything store wide. Okay, obviously, like the biggest things from last year to this year to to get better if you're the Timberwolves, go from 42 wins to I think the over under is 48 and a half, according to most sports books. Cat mm-hmm. can't miss 52 games with the calf. Okay, uh, Anthony Edwards' continued evolution is going to play a huge role. I think just integrating Rudy and getting more comfortable that stuff that's the big stuff. But a sneaky big thing is how many bad minutes the Wolves could swap out for good minutes. So last year, I was going through the roster yesterday. Jordan McLaughlin was a, a, like before the calf injury, was a rock solid sort of backup point guard. He c- can't really shoot, so that's always going to be an issue. 
But he was a good straw to stir the drink and the lineup combinations and the plus minuses always looked good when he was in the lineup. After the calf injury, Jordan McLaughlin was maybe their worst player because he couldn't shoot and he was out of sync. Something was off. They've kind of minimized his role. Now, he's no longer the backup point guard. He's going to be, they've got two or three other ball handlers that are going to be above him in the pecking order. So you're taking some of those minutes out. Jalen Noel played 20 minutes a night for 65 games last year. He shot 28% from three-point range and played zero defense. You're taking those minutes. You're shoving them out the door. No, Like like not what happened to, to him. I know he's gone, but what happened to him as it's, far as his yeah, offense? Man. I was that's about as you wrong as I. We were both high on him, dude. Yeah. Kyle too, man. Like not to throw him under the bus, but like he's <laughs> a he's he's so skilled and he has a smooth shot and he yeah. and he made a bunch of threes the year before, but and then he gets out there and he has no self awareness of it's not Jalen Noel time here. We need to slow down a little bit and just kind of work within the confines. So that's twenty minutes a night gone. Mm-hmm. Austin Rivers, I think, was a really good veteran leader. They they needed his presence last year, but, you know, at 20 minutes a night, I think it's fair to say at this stage in his career, he's probably a better podcaster than basketball player yeah. at 20 minutes a night. You know, that's fair to be disrespectful. But so you so those minutes are gone. Torian Prince is another one. So Torian uh, Prince played 22 minutes a night for the Wolves last year, but the advanced metrics hated his game. He was actually 13th on the team in player efficiency rating, and he had one of the lowest win shares per 48 minutes. Now, he had that game against the Knicks where he went off and single-handedly won it, and he gave you spurts of being an excellent player. Right. But he was such a high-variance player where, at his worst, he was getting run off the court. Certain lineup combinations didn't work with him. So on a great night, you want Torian Prince. Overall, not the most efficient, effective player, at least for the Wolves last year. So you're taking all of those sort of bad minutes or non-efficient minutes and you're getting more Nikhil Alexander Walker who's just a Tasmanian devil of energy and understanding his role he's not going to go out there and Jalen Noel's like I got 15 minutes tonight I'm taking 13 shots right that's not going to be Nikhil Alexander Walker Shake Milton rock solid combo guard role player with those good Sixers teams the last four or five years Troy Brown Jr. not much for defense but I mean, that guy last night against, you know, it was a, like a second-rate Israel pro team, but he knocked down like four threes in the second half. He can shoot threes off the bench, which is going to be key. And then I think another underrated one is you're swapping out 32 minutes a game of D'Angelo Russell, who you guys know my opinion on him, just like a clueless, just stat-padding, empty-calories player for a substantive adult who organizes the offense in Mike Conley. I just think get, get, I'm not saying all these guys are going to be perfect, flawless players, but getting rid of a lot of that and subbing in a lot of this should be really helpful off the bench, filling out like six, seven, eight, nine, the 10th roster spot. All right, let's go through this a little bit. Why is Jordan McLaughlin going to make the team if if you've got that much depth in front of him now? Well, I mean, you've got because there's 14, 14, 15 roster spots, so. He's so going to be. That's like asking, like, like why is okay. uh, the fifth safety not going to make or going to make the Vikings? Because you've got. Well, you know. Sometimes I'm. Sometimes I cut that guy. <laughs> okay, but in my world, sometimes I cut him. But I, I'm just so like, is he going to play at all? Do you expect or not really? I think it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think he gets minutes early. Okay. I, I I would be now if they get the pre calf injury, McLaughlin. You want that guy on your team because he can come in and like, especially if there's an injury, 
Right. You need guy like you'd probably rather have him as a backup ball handler than like a fifth big that you're probably never going to play, you know? So, um, yeah, he's not going to be like a meaningful player on this team unless four guys get hurt. So I wouldn't, I know I can tell you're like worried that he's on the roster by that question. I wouldn't be worried that he's uh, no, on the I, it's not really worried. It's more curious. It's, okay. it's I'm, I'm, I'm curious what the bottom of the roster is going to be. Like yeah, what I positions mean, they're going to keep as far, and players, but positions too. Yeah, they they run deep, man. Like the the guys I so Nikhil Alexander Walker, your your bench is going to be Nas Reed, Nikhil, Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., Kyle Anderson. Like yeah, th- those are so your starters cool. are obviously going to be Cat Gobert, uh, Jade McDaniel's, Anthony Edwards, Mike Conley. So that's five. Mm-hmm. And then your next five in no order are going to be Nas Reed, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Kyle Anderson, Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr. I feel like I'm forgetting uh, one or two key guys. But then there's like Leonard Miller is going to get some playing time at some point. Um, Josh Minot, probably not so much. But I mean, it, it like runs 10 deep of competent professional NBA players before you would even get to Jordan McLaughlin, maybe okay. even 11 deep. So their depth is definitely improved a lot. Oh God, yes, on paper, right? Yes. Right. Well, yeah, and guys get hurt too. Yeah. So you you do expect Garza to make the team then? Uh, I think I'd have to look at the crunch here, but uh, like, does he have a two way contract? Look up, he yeah. spends a lot of time in Iowa. A, I think is what's going to happen. On, okay, I think he's still yeah. on a two way. Yes. And then Matt Ryan's another one who is kind of borderline to make the final roster. But yeah, those get like, there's nowhere for Luca Garza to play right now. Right. Unless somebody gets hurt. Yeah. He's on a two way. Okay. Non-guaranteed, but two way contract. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, I mean, they've got depth, man. They've got a good team, but the only thing Kyle brought this up yesterday on flagrant mm-hmm. is they don't have a ton of starting lineup flexibility. Cause it's like, if, if it's determined after two months, you know what? Cat and Gobert just don't really mesh well together. You can't like bring one of those guys off the bench because they're both super max players. Like both those guys would get weird about coming off the bench. So you can't, you can't do what other teams might do is like, Oh, this lineup's not working. What if we brought this good player off the bench? They're both going to start. So they have to figure out how to at least break even together and then let the other lineup combinations, you know, maybe be additive. So what Doogie's been saying for about a year now is correct then. So this is the year for Cat. Like, if it doesn't work, you're going to have to do something. Doogie's point was, because we we talked about actually Cat, you know, potentially being moved this past summer, and at every turn, Doogie would stop us and say, I think the real key is is the summer of 2024. Mm-hmm. So, like, if to your point, Phil, if they, de- if they determine this is not going to work, like, like it doesn't work, in its current construction, perhaps cat pout some more. That that would be the upcoming off season. Then is the crucial time to like not only make the decision but move on it or the deadline. You know, you could right. There's all now the Knicks. The Knicks steam is back for like the tenth time in the last two years. Gerson, yeah, Gerson, Gerson. there, mm-hmm. hey, buddy. Yeah, the show. Gerson, Gerson. I love it. Every every, every six executive. weeks, a new Knicks rumor pops up, and everyone's like, "Oh, the Knicks are interested in Towns." Like. It's like the worst kept secret in the NBA. And apparently. then you know what what happens inevitably? The Nets swoop in. Well, oh yeah, yeah. 
how how often have the Nets? It's like Durant might go and become a Nick, and it's like, yeah, the Knicks will be back. Yeah, here come the Nets. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna it deserves to play out for another two or three months, and then if if they got to a point where yeah, they're just kind of toiling, and the trade deadline's coming up, you can absolutely move Carl if you need to for probably a, a decent haul. I don't know if you're going to get the haul that you gave up for Gobert back, but they've got options going mm-hmm. forward here at the deadline and next summer if it doesn't work. But if it does work, this team could be big and very dangerous in the Western Conference. So that's a wrap on Flagrant House here, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. Do you have one more thing there, Judd? Yeah, I was. I just want to, on Gobert, where do you think he is at as far as now being a year in, to his tenure here, being more comfortable. Um, it did feel like there was, a, and I, I'm not shocked by this, it felt like there was a prolonged period of season of last year where he just didn't really look comfortable yet. Do you think that that he's worked through that, that entire thing? Because, you know, the trade's never probably going to be a good trade, or it's not, but yeah. I, I certainly think there should there could be more comfort from him than what we saw for an extended period of last season. I don't know how I can answer that question without watching him play a game. You know, like I don't, I, I'm not trying to be flippant. I just, I don't know if he's comfortable because we haven't seen him play a regular season game. Thought your spies might have told, told well, you some stuff. Yeah. I mean, like everyone's optimistic. Everyone that I talk to is like, it's, it's like the best version of everyone, right? Everything's great. Everything. I will tell you that Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert were sitting next to each other for two and a half hours on the bench last night, so those guys are fine. They're not whole, punching each other. Shots of the arm, you know. Hey, buddy, you know. Boom. Yeah, right in the right in the nose. They seem to be fine and friendly, and everything's great. That's Kyle the Anderson, least of my. That's the least of my concerns. In in fact, you know what? Sometimes that's positive. It's out there. Yeah, I think it was positive. It's more the sniping. It's more the sniping behind the scenes that drives me nuts. Yeah. So I don't know. Like it's it's hard to say anything until you watch these guys play in the regular season. Cause there's, there's so, some of the questions that still that existed a year ago still exist today, unfortunately. And we just have to see what happens when they play the Raptors and get into their early season schedule. So, and we'll be here flagrant house. We appreciate you guys making this part of your regular rotation of podcasts here. Um, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple podcasts. We can help grow this community of Timberwolves fans long-suffering Timberwolves fans. Judd's going to be at the arena on a regular basis. I'm going to be at the re- the arena on a regular basis. And uh, we'll see you, I think, at least one more time this week, but for sure twice a week and more next week as the season starts here. Flagrant Howl. See you guys.